Um, really am thankful to be here. Enjoyed breakfast this morning and all your questions. I am a little sweaty at this point too, so that's good. If you will, um, go ahead and start finding Psalm 107. That's where we'll be this morning. Psalm 107. If you're not familiar with the Bible, find the middle of the Bible and just kind of open it up and you'll probably be, be close to the Psalms. If you need more direction, grab somebody next to you to help you out. Psalm 107. Oftentimes we consider many things that influence the way that we live. Uh, there's a lot of considerations that go into life. Uh, when we consider buying a house, we think through, okay, is uh, this house close to a good school district? Is it uh, close to Walmart? Is there any food nearby? I'm sure there's a Hardee's within your driving distance. Um, when you consider uh, which football team to pull for, maybe it's, oh, is this the, my parents' football team? Or, uh, oh no, I'm marrying into this family. Do I need to change my football team? Uh, a consideration comes from uh, thinking through what's happening and then it influences something on the output of the consideration. We even contemplate what we're going to have for lunch, as you probably will do during the midst of my sermon this morning. But what I want us to do here this morning, because you are considering me as uh, one of your pastors, I want us to kind of lay that aside a little bit, and I want you to consider with me this morning the steadfast love of the Lord. The steadfast love of the Lord is what we're going to find here this morning in, in Psalm 107. So if you're willing and able, will you please stand with me to, so we can read the Scriptures together? Because it, I'm sure if Jesus was here standing in our midst, we could do nothing else but stand. Psalm 107, I'm going to read 1, 2, and 3, and then we're going to flip a page and read verse 43. Psalm 107 says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from trouble, and gathered into the lands from east and from west, from north and south. Verse 43, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let him consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let's pray. Most gracious and heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning and consider your steadfast love, one love that is enduring, it's, it's faithful, it's continuing, and it's so much love that we can't even handle. Lord, we pray that in this moment, our hearts would be lifted up to praise and worship to your name. Lord, let me decrease and you may increase that Jesus Christ's name may be known. It will give us comfort and hope to face the days. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Oftentimes these one-shots are really hard for me. I'm a book-by-book, verse-by-verse kind of preacher. And when coming to something in the middle of another book, uh, trying to make sure there's a context in which we know what's happening within the context of the whole of scriptures, it kind of takes a long time to get through the introduction. The Psalms are a little bit different though. 
The Psalms are uh, songs lifted to praise uh, uh, to the Lord. And there's some that are written by David and, and some written by these weird dudes named the son of Korah. You know, there, there's, there's a whole mess of songs, 150 to be exact. And in the, book of the, in the book of Psalms, there's split into five different books. If you notice, at the top above 107, it says book five, uh, maybe in your translation. However, uh, there's three Psalms that kind of go hand in hand. Psalm 105, Psalm 106, and then the one we're going to be focusing on this morning, Psalm 107. And in the context of all of Scripture, we need to understand where it's at. Psalm 105. Five is written in reflection of what God has done in the Exodus of, of choosing a people, taking them out of slavery uh, to the Egyptians and taking them to the promised land. Then Psalm 106 is uh, a little bit different because it, it goes forward hundreds of years to where the people in the promised land have squandered what they have been given in it. They've sinned against God and they were taken by the Babylonians and the Assyrians into exile. And it's a prayer and a praise and a song for what has happened. However, Psalm 107 is after they've been come out of exile and brought back into the land is where we find Psalm 107. Now, I mentioned all three of these psalms. We're going to focus on 107. But I mention all three for the simple purpose of everyone talks about the steadfast love of the Lord. And that's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to think through and consider the steadfast love of the Lord and rejoice. So if you had to ask me, uh, Chris, what was your main point this morning? That's it. Consider the steadfast love of the Lord and rejoice. So, how do we do that? Well, first we're, we see the redeemed of the Lord. The redeemed of the Lord. We see this in verses 1 through 3. Read with me again. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from east and from west and from north and from south. The psalmist calls for the redeemed of the Lord to give thanks. He calls for them to praise God because of his steadfast love. Why is that? Why should we, consider, considering the steadfast love of the Lord, give praise? Well, it's, it should be clear to us. God's goodness and mercy is reflected abundantly in His love for us. His love for the people here was shown through providing them out of bondage and slavery in the exile and brought into and returned to the promised land. They were redeemed. Redeemed from their transgressions and brought back into a relationship with God, their God, whom they have been apart from for years. The temple was going to be rebuilt. We see that in Ezra and Nehemiah. See, the distress was so bad that Psalm 106 mentions it and says that the anger of the Lord was kindled against the people. And, and He abhorred their heritage. He was angry with them and gave them over to the nations. 
but in his love, he remembered his covenant. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. See, for a sinful and rebellious people, it was not their love for the Lord that caused the Lord to then love them, but rather it was the Lord's attribute of his loving kindness, his steadfast love that caused the people to be then loved. Again, it wasn't a reciprocal act from the Lord. We love him, so now he loves us. He first loved them. This word for steadfast love is the word hesed. It's a Hebrew word. Um, And it means an enduring, a kindness, a loyal love. Now, if you're familiar with Exodus, you remember when when the Lord says his name. In 34, he says, uh, the Lord Yahweh, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. When, when the Lord uh, says his attributes, he talks about his own steadfast love. See, this is the same kind of love that now is found in these verses that we're looking at in Psalm 107. This lovingness, an enduring love. Look how it says his steadfast love endures forever. There's no stop to this love. It's a continuation of love that, that, that continues to go on just, just as God himself is enduring and everlasting, so is his love. He is loving and everything he does comes in and out of and through that. Verse 2 talks about the redeemed of the Lord who has, who has been redeemed by, by God say that the Lord is loving. That's what we're called to do. The Lord has loved us, has He not? Ultimately, for us today, we, we see His love differently than what was seen here. Still yet love in the fact that God's love is manifest by the death of His Son to redeem sinful people just like you and I. Remember what 1 John says. It says, by this we know love, that Jesus died for us. In John 3.16, everyone knows this one, right? For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. Question for us today, though, do you know this love? Do you know this Savior that has, has came and died on the cross? Well, then the clear application that's seen here is praise the Lord. Rejoice that the Lord has saved you. See that you are redeemed and say so that He has gathered them from the lands from east and west, the All of the nations coming in, coming back to Him. Maybe for you today, you feel separated. You feel apart. Maybe you feel away from the, because of what you're going through in life and and the trials that you are facing. Maybe you look around and you say, where is this love? Where is this love that I'm supposed to feel? Where is this love that I am supposed to have since I I am redeemed by God? I think the psalmist expects this question because for us, he gives us four scenarios, four different 
characteristics of God showing his steadfast love. So he's going to show how his redemption is part of how he loves people. So if you will look with me at the first one, starting in verse 4. Now, I do want to mention, it was really hard for me to narrow these down for a sermon for you today because it, it would be really easy for us to sit here and, and work through all of these and, you know, you'd miss lunch. Uh, so I, I would hate that for you. Um, but let's, let's read through them, see what we can glean from them, and, and what we're going to see in each scenario, there, there is a disaster that happens, a cry for help, followed by God's redeeming or redemption, and then the people are going to thank God for what he's done. So let's look at the first one, the hungry and the lost. Verse 4. Some wandered in the desert waste, finding no way to a city to dwell in, hungry and thirsty, they're so fainted within them, then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them on a straight way. They reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of man. For He satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul He fills with good things. See, the first thing we see is this distress. They're, they're wandering in desert ways. They're, they cannot find a city or a place to live in. Their physical and spiritual needs are both unmet Nothing else they can do to provide for them this own place to live and to gain food and to, and to quench their thirsty soul. So they cry for help. See that? Verse 6. They cried to the Lord in their, trouble, in their trouble and He delivered them from the distress. The redemption of the Lord was seen in the fact that He hears His people when they cry out. And he delivered them. Not only he hears, but he does something in response to that. It says that in verse, um, verse 9 and 7. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city. See, they were wondering. And then he provided them a straight path to go. They were looking for a city. They couldn't dwell in a city. And he provided them a place to dwell in. And he satisfies the thirsty and the longing soul. The next one we see is the prisoner and the rebellious. Follow along verses 10 through 16. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death, prisoners in affliction and irons. They had rebelled against the words of God and spurned the counsel of the Most High. You see this distress here? They were prisoners. They were afflicted. They were held captive because of their rebellion. They sinned against God, rebelled against His word. So he gave them a burden. He bowed their hearts down with hard labor. They fell down with none to help. See, this call comes after this. They called out to the Lord. They uh, cried, and the only one that could help them with this hard labor, this hard burden of what they've done to themselves, and he delivered them from their distress. Guess what? Verse 13 they cried to the Lord. He delivered them. So guess what? Verse 15. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love. 
for his works, wondrous works for the children of man. See, because God then brings them out of this darkness, the shadow, brings them out of being prisoners to, to their rebellion and their sin, because he has the power to shatter the doors of bronze and cuts into bars of irons, as we see in verse 16. The next one we see, oops, it's in verse 17. The sinful and distressed. Some were fools through their sinful ways, and because of their iniquity suffered afflictions. They loathed any kind of food, and they drew near to the gates of death. They cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He sent out His word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for His wondrous works to the children of men, and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and deeds and songs of joy. They were sinful. They were fools because of their own sin and their own iniquity. Their own desire to follow sin rather than the Lord instead of the desired outcome they, they, of, of prosperity and life, they received affliction. Their sins caused them to desire other things in the word, world than the word of God. It, their sin caused them to desire sinful things. They loathe any kind of food. And they came, to the de- uh, they came to be acquaintances with death, having no ability to rid themselves of their own sin and distress. What did they do? They cried out to the Lord. They called out to Him, and guess what happens? He delivers them. He brings them, heals them by His Word, brings them from destruction to safety. And just like the prisoner and the wanderer, they are called to give thanks to the Lord and offer sacrifices. The last one we see here, the storm-tossed. Some went down into ships in the sea doing business on great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord, His wondrous works in the deep. He commanded and raised stormy winds, which He lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted to heavens. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men, and they were at their wit's end. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They were glad that the waters were quiet, and brought them to their desired heaven. Haven. Let them thank the Lord for His steadfast love, for the wondrous works of the children of man. Let them extol Him in the in the congregation of His people and praise Him in the assembly of the elders. See, un- unlike the prisoner is sinful, that their sin caused them to experience distress. However, this distress of the stormy sea comes from the Lord's commanding of the sea to be stormy. God commanded that. Look, look it says that there in verse 25. For He, God, commanded and raised a stormy wind which lifted up the waves of the sea. What was the purpose behind this? It was, it was so that the people would what? Cry out. God caused the storm to come so that they had no other means but to cry out to someone that can help. They called out. And God, through His power that He used to even start the storm, He caused that storm to be still. So people rejoiced. Again, there's so much more in all of these sections that you could spend sermons on, but 
what I want us to glean is a couple things just right here. First, I want you to notice the situations that people themselves place them in, themselves in. See, people, just like we see in verse 4, they, they're wandering around in desert places. Causes them to be hungry. See what else people do? They sit in darkness in the shadow of death, as verse four, uh, 10 says. Rebelling against the words of God. They, they are fools through their sinful ways. And, and iniquity suffer afflictions. All of these are done in a rebellion to God. God calls His people to not rebel, but to find refuge in Him. But that's often what we do, isn't it? We'd rather go into the world to, to find refuge, to do it on our own. We think we can fix our own sin. We, we put the burden that we place upon ourselves and try to remove our own iniquity as it bears us down to the ground. As it says in verse 12, bowing our hearts down with hard labor, we fall down with none to help. We are enslaved to sin that we hold dear. We follow our own desires, trying to make ourselves happy. And notice, each section in the distress shows a separation from God because of sin. These people are not finding refuge or they're not the redeemed of the Lord. We deserve just like this. See, when you take God's love, you also have to understand God's justice. You can't have one without the other. In his love, he has to be just. He has to take care of sin. Sin must be dealt with. Sin deserves death. Sin deserves to be wandering, walking away. Sin deserves to be bound in sin. Sin deserves to be driven away by the storm in God's justice. However, God also provides in His steadfast love a Savior to take the full wrath that you and I deserve that when we notice we're, we're in our sin and we can't do anything else and we cry out to the Lord to be saved, He has provided a way for us to be saved. He has provided Jesus Christ on our behalf. That if you repent of your sins and you turn by faith and believe in Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's the good news. Because secondly, the Lord hears the call of His people. Notice that. Look, it's the same exact verse in four different sections. Honestly, this is what caused me to stop on this. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Verse 6, look then at verse 13. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. Verse 13, then you go to verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. And then you turn down to verse 28. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from the distress. See, all those who wonder 
all those who are prisoners, all those who are fools in their sin, all who were beat down by the storm, they all cried out to the Lord. And God, being rich in mercy and grace because of the love that He has loved us in, He sent His Son to take that wrath for those who cry out, for those who repent, for those who look to Him. Our sin was placed upon Jesus. The wrath that we deserve was fully poured out upon His Son so that we may be given life and life abundantly. He died while we were acquaintances with death. Christ died. and He was raised three days later so that we can have new life. See, Jesus calls the wanderer and those with heavy burdens because of their sins. He says, come to me, all ye who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Instead of us trying to find our rest on our own, it's only found in coming to Christ. Jesus also breaks the prisoners from their sin. He says in John 8, 38, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you're free indeed. Notice there's not a way for you to go back into prison if you have been freed from sin. For those of you who are here today, maybe you showed up today and you're just thinking through what it means to be a Christian. Maybe you're here thinking through, okay, well, mama brought me here, but I'm here. Notice the destruction from seeking self and trusting in self. Notice what happens to those. They wonder, not finding a place to dwell in, nothing to fill their longing soul, looking for peace in the midst of darkness where there is no peace. Maybe this is you today. Maybe you are just trying to be religious to maybe atone for some sins that you feel in the past. Maybe, maybe you have a burden that I, if I just work harder and harder and harder, I can get there. I hope you see the clear picture here. All you have to do is call out upon the name of the Lord Jesus to be saved. I hope that's clear for you today. Christian, there's something here for us as well. Look, it, the Lord hears the cries of His people. No matter the pain and suffering that we're going through in day-to-day -day life, no matter the, the, the word that we get from the doctors, no matter what anyone says to us, look, call, the Lord hears you. He hears His people. Pray. Seek Him. I think the last scenario should speak deeper to us than the other three. At least it does for me right now. Notice the sailors were doing their business on great waters. They saw the deeds of the Lord and the works that He was doing. They knew He was working on something. Just wasn't sure of what was happening. God calls the storm to happen. For what purpose? Why would he cause a storm 
to come upon the boat. Well, purpose was for them to cry out. For them to realize I can't do anything about what's happening and to then turn around, cry out to the Lord in prayer and rest in what God is doing. There's a reason. There's a reason for what's happening and everything that happens because God is ultimately in control of all things that happens and it's for the purpose of his people to cry out to him and become more like him. Maybe... This is what you're going through today. Maybe you came here after a long week and you're like, oh my goodness, this dude's going to preach. I just want to hurry up and get this over with. It's been a long week. Life stinks. I pray that in this moment, that if you know Christ, you, you would realize your need and the fact that He hears you and He cares for you and He loves you, cry out to Him. Ask Him for help because He will help. So we've seen what God can do through these situations. Verse 32 through 42 shows a reversal. So God is ultimately in control of everything that happens. He is the one who uh, is, looks after his redeemed people. He is the one who redeems his people after they cry out to him. Also, he reverses some things. Verse 33 through 38. Pay attention to the language as we walk through this. He turns rivers into deserts, springs of waters into thirsty ground. Fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of his inhabitants. He turns, so, so we see this turning from, you would, you would picture good things, right? Rivers, just, just think of it. Lake Murray, you, you're chilling on your boat, then all of a sudden you're no longer water underneath you and all the fish are jumping, right? Taking the water and, and changing it to desert. But there's a reversal that happens. That God does. Look at verse 35. He takes those deserts that he, and he gives them pools of water. He takes that parched land and he produces springs of water. And there he lets the hungry dwell and, and establish a city to live in. And they sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing they are multiplied greatly. He does not let their livestock diminish. See, these lands that had no life, he causes them to now become fruitful. These pools coming from dry land, a city to people to work in, to live in, producing a fruitful yield. He watches over them and cares for them. Then you see verses 39 through 42 when they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours out contempt on princes. So when someone comes and, and oppresses them, the Lord is with them, and, and then he turns around and, and judges the princes and makes them wander in trackless waste. Waste is... Waste? There we go. Verse 31. But he raises up the needy out of affliction and makes the families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad and all wickedness shut 
their mouth. You see these reversal effects of what God does for his people out of his steadfast love taking and giving blessing and, 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 and giving them things they need and, and, and providing justice when justice seems to be ran out. We've experienced this, Christian. We've experienced personally the reversing nature of the Lord. Remember what Ephesians 2 says? And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now work in the son of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the mind, the body, and were by nature children of wrath. See, that's who you were. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. See the reversal. We've been made alive and listen to the blessing. By grace you have been saved. You have been raised up with him and seated with him in heavenly places. Look, we have a city to dwell in now. So that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. The reversal, dead to alive. The reversal of rivers, deserts, deserts to pools of water, land and blessing. We were dead and now have life. We, we had the wrath of God. Now, now we have salvation and grace. We were in the world. Now we're seated, no longer working. We were children of wrath. Now we are children of God. God's love reverses every part of the position that defined us by our own sin and inability to come to Him. He has raised us out of affliction and now we can see the steadfast love of the Lord. For the unbeliever here today, if you look around you right now, you will see saints in here that has experienced the reversal of the Lord. He has taken dead people and made them alive in His Son. And for them, there's now no condemnation against them. Wickedness, as it says in verse 42, uh, has shut his mouth. Look around. This could be you, repent and believe in Jesus. Christian, notice here too, the upright see the reversal of the Lord, and they are glad. When you come to worship, you're, you're seeing people uh, who, who have been redeemed by the Lord, and you are able to gather with them and worship the same Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Be glad. There's no other better place to be. Finally, the response of the, to the Lord. Verse 43. So after you see, you've been redeemed by the Lord, after you've seen His reversal, there's a response. It says in verse 43, Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. For us, seeing the steadfast love of the Lord, seeing it, it brings wisdom. When we have seen the love of the Lord, 
we're able to now attend to those things. What does it mean to attend? It means to observe, to, to watch, to preserve, to, to keep. Attending to them. As you attend to a little baby, right? It needs to a diaper, needs a bottle, it screams, and you don't know what to do at this point, so you hand it to your wife, right? Attending to those things. This is what we're to do. This is the call for those who have received the gospel to, to make sure that we're observing and keeping and continuing to show everyone and tell everyone of the steadfast love of the Lord. Because we have been redeemed. The mission. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go and tell of the steadfast love in which Jesus came to rid them of their sin and to die for them in their place. We seek to understand the steadfast love. See, it says let them consider, think through it, understand it. Best way to do that. Open your Bible. Read. Study. If you need help learning how to study, learning how to read, Pastor Mark would love nothing more than to, than to spend a morning with you teaching you how to do that. I'm sure there's other people in here that would love that. Church, attend to these things. Build one another up into loving good works, teaching them. Helping them Encouraging them in the steadfast love of the Lord. Parents, what a better way to spend an afternoon than to talk about what the Lord has done and the steadfast love that He has. Talking about the gospel with your children. Teaching them. Hey, children. Students. Ask your parents. Good opportunity tonight or on the ride home, or at lunch, to say, hey mom, hey dad, please tell me, how have you experienced the steadfast love of the Lord? Be a good opportunity for you this morning. When you're at lunch, you have nothing else to talk about, talk about the steadfast love of the Lord. Talk about the gospel, what Jesus has done for you. When days get hard, Christian, reflect on the gospel. Reflect on who Jesus is, what you were and deserved, and rejoice in your salvation. Have thanksgiving for what God's done. Think of all the gospel, where your former way of life was, your position that you had with God, and now your new position with Christ. Think about the future grace that you will receive when you get to be with Christ and He will hold you and wipe away every tear from your eye and you will be with Him for all of eternity experiencing the manifestation in flesh-to-flesh steadfast love of the Lord. Further, as we close, get ready to sing some more songs. I hope, I pray, that through this time you have reflected and considered the steadfast love of the Lord. Look, if you want to know more about what it means to follow Jesus and experience the steadfast love, I'm here today, at least. If you want to know more, I would love to talk about, about it with you. Grab me before you leave. Grab me and say, hey, look, 
I would love to know more. Sure, Pastor Mark uh, would love to do that too. Or grab somebody you know. But as we finish, as we, as we go into singing praises to the Lord, let's do it on the basis and, and remembering what God has done for us and the love that He has shown us. Let's pray. Lord, while we were yet sinners, Your Son, Jesus, came to die for us. While we had nothing else left upon uh, to nothing to bring to you, to, to gain anything from you, you, you saved us. Lord, I pray that in this moment we would consider the steadfast love of the Lord, that we would turn our, our tears to praise, and that we would rejoice in what you have done for us through Jesus Christ. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.